Awesome. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Good to be with you today. We're in the series DNA, and this is a series we kind of do every year just to step back and go, what is, our, what is our vision? What is our mission? What are our culture values? And what is my next step? And so uh, for some of you that have recently started attending Mountain Park Church, this is a great time for you to just learn and take notes and press in. If you, if you missed last weekend, I'm going to encourage you, please, uh, go back to our website and uh, watch that. I'm going to recap a few, few things, little nuggets from last week so that we can kind of jump in into today's uh, message. Last week, we... We, we kind of spoke a little bit about our vision and our mission. And our vision here at Mountain Park is to realize your role in God's story. And I love that vision statement of our church. Why? Because it says this, you have a role in God's story. Uh, our mission statement is inviting others, we're inviting people to what? Realize their role in God's story. So here at Mountain Park Church on a Sunday and in groups, and we got so many groups that are getting ready to launch in the next couple of weeks, so many different classes and things. As, you, as you're growing, what are you doing? You are realizing, understanding, growing in your role in God's story. But as you go out during the week, you're doing what? You're inviting others to realize their role in God's story. There are so many people outside of these four walls this morning who do not know that God loves them, God cares about them, God's forgiven them, and God has a plan and purpose for their lives. It's sad, but so many people out there think that God is mad at them. So many people out there think that, God, how could God love somebody as terrible and as bad as me? And there's a world that he's hurting that needs to hear about a Savior who loves them. We spoke last week about how our vision and mission flows out of Matthew 28, the Great Commission where Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, spoke to his disciples and said this. He said, go now into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing men and women in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? You and I are to take his mission of going into the world and sharing the gospel, the good news. Last week was wonderful. We baptized over 13 people and combined from last week's services. And those were people that came to realize Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they made the decision to follow him. And they were declaring that last week. So there's a mission, there's a vision that we have here at Mountain Park Church. And I spoke about John uh, chapter 15, verse 12 and 13, where Jesus literally said that. He says, a new commandment I give you, to love one another. He says to his disciples, yes, the, the bullseye, if you want to know it, love people. Love one another. And in verse 13 of John 15, he says, I'm going to take it a level higher. And he goes, if you want to know what it truly means to be a mature Christ follower, he goes, here it is, verse 13, he says, and greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his brother. You know what Jesus was saying? There's as mature believers, people that are wanting to be more like Jesus, the greatest call is for us to lay down our lives and to put others first. So that's the true measure of love. We spoke about how Jesus on the cross, he's on the cross and he had been, his body is in shock. His body is exhausted. He's been whipped with a cat of nine tails. He had to carry the cross, his beard plucked, a thorn around his head. He's nailed his feet and his hands are nailed to a cross and, and, and to breathe. He had to push up 
to breathe. And, and here he is, his mother Mary's weeping as he sees her son on a cross about to die. His friends are, are weeping. And all this is going on in front of Jesus in pain, exhausted, body in shock. And he, and he knows that he's gonna pay the price for your sin and my sin on that cross. And as he's doing that, he knows there's a moment where his heavenly father who said when he was baptized, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. His father would have to turn because he couldn't look at the sin of humanity on him. And in that moment, you would think of pain and exhaustion and, and desperation that Jesus would say, okay, that's it, I'm done. But in that moment, there's a, two guys, one on the right and one on the left, criminals who are crucified with him. And the guy on his left begins to cuss him out. Come on, save yourself. You, you this, why don't you save us? And the guy on the right says this, he says, please, remember me today. And Jesus turns to him and says, today, you're gonna be with me in paradise. Even before his very last breath, Jesus did an altar call. Jesus reached a man who was dire, who deserved, he deserved to die, he was a criminal. Jesus loved him to his very last breath. And you know what I love about that? Is Jesus is saying to you and I, hey, even when it costs us, even when it hurts us, even when, when it takes time or costs, whatever it is, will you willing to lay it down for that person in your world and in your life who needs salvation, who needs forgiveness, who needs healing? We spoke about last week, and I encourage you again to go look at it. I spoke about six things we're going after in this next year. What are, what are we going after in this next year, Mountain Park? What are we praying for? What are we we're going on? What are we building? And, and really the six really quickly were kids ministry, youth ministry, young adults. We want people, we want to elevate groups. We want people to join groups. We want to see more volunteers in doing church as a team. And number six was celebrate uh, recovery. We're going to be building and launching next year, celebrate recovery. And I was so excited because last weekend we did jump in and over 60 people went and filled out all kinds of cards in different areas. 60 people went and said, I'm ready to jump in. Why? Because Mountain Park's a battleship, not a cruise ship. It's not the love boat. We have a world that is hurting. We have people that need Jesus. And we're gonna pay the price to see them come to know him as their Lord and Savior. So 60 people jumped in. I was speaking to Joe Tracer, who's gonna be building our Celebrate Recovery. And Joe, I'll be honest with you, maybe, may I'm, maybe I'm him, him of our little faith because I said to Joe, Joe, let's believe for 10 to 15 people to sign up for Celebrate Recovery and we can build a core. And Joe said, yes, let's believe, you know, for 10 or 15. Guess what? 30 signed up. 30 sign up, and I think the Lord was saying, I'm just gonna double your number for you. And so, and then Joe called me, and said, you know, out of the 30, 28 have celebrate recovery experience. I met a couple last week as we were, they were walking out after service and they said, Pastor, this is, this is our second time here. And when the first time we came, our thought was, do they have celebrate recovery? And our second Sunday, you just said, you're about to launch it. We're so excited. We're going up to sign up. Why? Because we're gonna realize our role in God's story. You can't do everything. You can do something. And I wanna challenge you. Maybe you went your last weekend. You can still jump in. How do I do that? Go to our website. Click on serve. There's a tab on the top, serve. You can still jump into something. Hey, maybe it's one Sunday a month in kids ministry. We'll take it. Maybe it's two. We'll take it. Maybe it's CR, maybe it's, it doesn't matter what it is, but realize your role in God's story. I said this last week, I said, Michael Jordan, he would not have the rings he has if it wasn't for a team, right? 
Michael, by himself, would never have won a ring. He needed a Steve Kerr. He needed a Scottie Pippen. And he needed a crazy Dennis Rodman. Every team needs a crazy Dennis Rodman. Maybe it's you. But we're a team. I said last week that it's not about the people that are on stage singing. I need a sound guy. He works really hard to make my accent amazing. <laughs> we have people running cameras right now, so people online could watch. You know, we got people in Mexico watching this service. My parents in South Africa watch. We got people in Europe that are beginning to watch. It's amazing. It takes a camera team. It takes a production team in the booth. Some of you might see them with a shirt that says crew. But I couldn't do what I do without them. I couldn't do what we do without greeters. It takes a team to do something great for Jesus. Today we're going to kind of talk about irresistible church. What, if, what would it be like for us to become a church that's irresistible? Well, when you think about that, you immediately say, well, an irresistible church, the answer must be Jesus. Jesus. And you know what? You're right. An irresistible church is a church that is centered around Jesus. But let me tell you something. There's something greater than that. Jesus did what? He put his spirit in you and I. So what makes a church irresistible? I believe it's its people. The people who are living out the love of Jesus in a world. We are the hands, we are the feet, we are the mouthpiece of Jesus Christ into every area we go. Do you know that's, that, that you are the Jesus that people see? The question is, are you shining for him? Jesus said this, I love it. He said, no one puts a light on, no one puts a basket over a light. No, you put a light on a hill for what? All to see. It's interesting, you know, a flashlight is only good when what? You flip the switch. I think in our lives, God, flip the switch in me. Let me shine the light of Jesus every place I go. I think about Jesus and uh, Jesus, when he came, it was a time, it's interesting, because there were Pharisees and religious leaders that would walk around, you know what they'd do is they would say to people, oh, that's wrong, that's bad, you broke that law, you broke this law, you need to go and do sacrifices, you need to repent. They, they were like the spiritual police running around, and then Jesus shows up. You know what Jesus says? I've come to set the captives free. I've come to open up the blind eyes. I've come to heal people, I've come to deliver them. And this message got out that sounded very different because what they had heard was, was just law, 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 law. All they heard was you're not good enough, you, you, you gotta pray more, you gotta, you gotta sacrifice more, you gotta do all these things. And yet comes Jesus saying, hey, I just come to set you free. I've come with some good news for you. God loves you. I think about the story in, in Luke where Jesus is walking with his disciples and there's a crowd because everywhere Jesus went there was a crowd and he sees this guy up in a tree named Zacchaeus, and short guy, kind of like me. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. No one liked Zacchaeus. They called him a thief and a robber. And Jesus is walking by. You know what's amazing is he stops and he looks up and he, he knew the guy's name. Hello. Zacchaeus, did you come down? I want to come over and have some ribs at your house today. Come down. I want to hang out with you. And what did the people do? The people began to say, oh, he's going to the house of a sinner. Jesus knew what they were saying. See, Jesus wasn't afraid of sinners. Jesus wasn't afraid of messy people. He loved them. 
He loved them. You see, because at the temple, they were gatekeepers. And you know what a gatekeeper would do? A gatekeeper's role was to say, you're not worthy to come in here. You're not good enough. But what's Jesus saying? Everybody is worthy. Everybody is welcome. And you know what's so beautiful is Zacchaeus ends up saying, I have sinned, and whoever I've robbed against, I will give four times what I've stolen. He, he responds to this love of Jesus, this grace of God, and in the midst of that, he, he repents, and, and it's so beautiful because Jesus says, and today salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Oh, I love that. See, Jesus came with a kingdom culture, a heavenly kingdom culture. He came from heaven to earth to bring the culture of heaven to earth that God has grace and mercy and love. Yes, God is holy, but the reality is you and I can never live up to that holiness because we're sinners, but in the midst of our sin, he chose us. And he wants to redeem us and set us free. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in, in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is saying this. He's saying this. Come on. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, hey, the old is gone. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, chapter 17, the old is gone. The new has come. Paul says, hey, come on. Put on this kingdom of heaven culture. Put on the, this work of grace and mercy that Jesus has done. You are a new creation. The old is gone. And then he says at the end here, he says, I love this. You were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You're not God, but you're created to be like him. What does that mean? Everywhere you go, you're a reflection. You're to be a reflection of God. That's why I say, you might be the only Jesus that someone ever meets. You're created, put on. Paul says, put on the new self. And then... I love Jesus in John 17, verse 14. Jesus says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world anymore than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but did you protect them from the evil one? They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And what is Jesus? Yeah, I love this prayer. It's the prayer at the end where Jesus is beginning to pray. He prays for his disciples, but then he prays for you and I. He prays for all those that would make a decision to follow him as Lord and Savior. And he prays this prayer. God, he says, God, would you strengthen them? God, would you protect them against the evil one? But he says this, God, I'm praying, don't take them out of the world. That's beautiful. They're not of the world as I'm not of the world. They're new creations, but Jesus says something so powerful. He says, don't take them out. Why? Because if all God wanted to do was to get you to heaven, guess what? The minute you said yes to Jesus, like Star Trek, he would just beam you up, Scotty, and you'd go to heaven. You made it. Game over. But God so loved the world, not just you and your world, the world that he gave his one and only son. And if you're a Christ follower today, you and I are in this world, not of it. We're a new creations. We're called to be a reflection of Jesus to a world that is hurting. So let's talk about our values. 
We have five culture values at Mountain Park. And these values reflect the kingdom values. And someone said, well, pastor, why five? Because there's so much more in the Bible. I'm just trying to get you to live out five. Yeah, there are more. But I believe these five, if we can just live out these five, I believe that Mountain Park, you and I, who make such an impact in this world for Jesus. So let's go through them really quick if you're taking notes. Number one, we are worshipers. I love that. Let's talk about that for a second. Because when I say we are worshipers, that doesn't mean what we do here on a Sunday, singing and clapping and praising, worshiping God. That's a part of it. See, worship is so deeper than us as a family coming together. Worship is a 24-7 lifestyle. Worship is just saying this, God, you are first in my life and there is none above you. Worship is where Jesus taught us how to pray, where he said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth. It's in heaven. He's, what am I praying? God, I'm praying that your kingdom comes. I'm not asking you to bless my kingdom. Your kingdom come. And God, your will, not my will, your will be done. It's a prayer of worship. It's a prayer of sacrifice and surrender to say, Lord, as I live in this world, I know that my flesh, the lust, Jesus said, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He says, those are the three key areas of sin. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I know as I'm praying this prayer that my flesh wants to make it all about me, but my spirit says, it's all about you. See, that's worship. Worship is when, I'm the, when, I, when I begin to open up the word of God and I, and I begin to read scriptures and I begin to praise God for it. That's worship. Worship is when, I, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm in the midst of a storm and it feels like a tsunami waves about to hit my life and everything's gonna crash and crumble that I can, in the midst of that, I can say, uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Leads me to green pastures and by Quiet streams. God, the streams, the water in my life is crazy right now. It's, it's, it's just all, but I thank you that you are the shepherd. I worship you, shepherd, that you take the waves and, the, and you make it calm like a still stream, river, refreshing. I'm worshiping you. Oh, God, I, I, I'm worshiping you because great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness unto me, O oh Lord. Worship for me sometimes is when I get in my car and I put on some worship music and, and I sing because let me tell you something, I don't sing on key. I don't. That's why I don't sing too loud on the front row because people be like, yo, that pastor needs some vocal lessons or something, man. <laughs> my wife has tried to teach me. When we started dating, she heard me sing at church and she sings well and she knows keys and we, I sit and stand next to her and, and she would kind of worship like this. <laughs> And I'd be like, man, that hurts. <laughs> and so one day she said, let me get, she got a piano and says, Charlton, listen, this is E, this is C. I'm like, it all sounds the same. <laughs> but I'm glad in the Bible it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So I get in my car and I belt it out. Why? because no one can hear me. They're looking at me thinking I'm crazy, but I can sing as loud as I want to to the King of Kings because he is worthy. 
He's worthy. He's worthy. And guess what? He created me to be what? A worshiper. To worship him. Listen to Jesus in John 4. Jesus is meeting a Samaritan woman at a well. He begins to tell her her life story. You've been with five men, married five times, and the one you're with now is not your husband. This is a woman that was an outcast. She came to draw water at the time when all the women had gone. She was shamed. She was rejected. She was all over social media. And here's Jesus. Jesus is meeting with her and begins to say, give me a drink of water. And so she gives, and he, and he says, hey, I will give you water, and you will never thirst. Living water. She's like, where did I get this living water from? And he was talking about life, a new life. And in verse 19, she begins to flip it. She wants to have a theological conversation. She said, sir, Jesus, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Because there was tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. No, this is, where, this is where we need to worship. No, no, it's Jerusalem's where we need to worship. They were debating the Jews and Samaritans. And Jesus, the woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming where you will neither worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is for the, from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and truth. So you know what Jesus was saying? It's not about a place of worship. It's about a position of worship. It's not about a place of worship. It's about the positioning of your heart to worship. Because he says God is seeking. That's a good point right there. You want to know what God is looking for? Worshippers who worship from a position of humility, transparency. See, it's easy on Sunday to come here and clap and dance and sing on key. But what happens in your prayer closet or your worship closet needs to match up with Sunday because he's looking for people that worship from the heart, spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Jesus said this in John 12, verse 32. I love it. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You know what he's speaking about? The cross. When I'm lifted up on the cross, salvation is for everyone. But I believe in you and me as we begin to lift him up in our worship, the choices we make, the words that come out of our mouth, the posture of our heart, as we lift Jesus and put him first in all these areas, and when he is lifted up in our lives, and it's not about us anymore, it's not about my world, it's not about my opinion, it's not about my view, it's about Jesus, and when it's about Jesus and he's lifted up in my life, guess what? He will begin to draw those around me to himself because he chose me to be a reflection of him we are worshipers. Let's go to the next one. We are gracious. We are worshipers. Culture value number two, we are gracious. Romans chapter five, uh, verse eight says this. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. I love that. 
Isn't that amazing? To think for a minute that God chose you. If you were God, would you choose you, knowing who you are? Think about it. God, God could have literally said, you know, angels, I need to upgrade this thing. Let's just delete it all and restart. But John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He loved you, he loved you, he loved you, he loved you, he loved me. In our sinful state, that he chose us. You know what that tells me in Romans 8? He said, God gave me grace when I didn't deserve it, right? What is grace? God's unmerited favor. And God gave me mercy. What is mercy? God withholding what I do deserve. Romans chapter six, uh, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. What does that verse remind me of personally? That the penalty for my sins is death, death separation from God. But the gift of grace given to me is Jesus Christ and eternal life. See, God showed me grace when I didn't deserve it. And now, you know what he does? He says, as you have freely received grace, now freely give it. We are gracious. We are gracious with our words. We are gracious with our time. We are gracious in giving love. Now, I'm not talking about weakness because, well, pastor, you're just saying, I just need to give grace to everybody and then people abuse me. And no, 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 I'm talking about meekness in Matthew chapter five. That is grace under control. No one should walk over you, but also you should never stop giving grace. We are gracious. We're showing the grace and the love of God. So we are worshipers, we are gracious. Number three, we are purposeful. We are realizing our role in God's story. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love this verse. You know what? When you give your life to Jesus, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. I wanna to go to heaven. I know I've sinned. I wanna be forgiven. I want this relationship. Ecclesiastes says there's eternity. God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. The reality is I know there's a void in my life that only you can fill. Coming to my life, forgive me. I have a brand new start. Now salvation, that's called salvation. What is that? That's the first step. Now I gotta say, God, you created me. You knit me in my mother's womb, Jeremiah said. You know the plans for me, Jeremiah 29. Now, God, I want to walk these plans out. I want to live on purpose. And what is the purpose? I'm your masterpiece. I'm your masterpiece. I'm your masterpiece. You know what I tell you? You know the, the best place to put your life? You want to know what it is? You know what it is? On the potter's wheel. Best place to put your life on the potter's wheel. Be the clay and let God, let Jesus, the master potter, begin to shape your life. Because when he shapes you, you're gonna be a masterpiece. You're gonna be that man of God. You're gonna be that woman of God. You're gonna have that godly marriage. You're gonna be that parent you wanna be. You're gonna to get to that level of dream. You're gonna be that influencer. How does it start? It starts when I surrender and say, here I am. I'm the clay. Mold me. Mold me. 
No one knows what's better for my life than you. That's why Jesus said something so beautiful. My sheep hear my voice and they follow. Never stop being a sheep and follow only one shepherd, Jesus. Some Christians love to say this. Uh, I saw this on social media this week. And, well, pastor, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for God to show me. I saw this great post about waiting. We can put that up. If you're waiting on God, do what waiters do. Serve. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm just waiting for like a sign. Or I'm waiting for, you know, I'm waiting for you to give me a prophetic word. Or I'm waiting for the, just, just serve. I wouldn't be here today doing what I'm doing if I didn't at the age of 15 step up to serve as the sound guy for youth ministry. Our youth ministry didn't have a sound guy. And all I knew, my experience, you know what my resume was? In fact, I went to the church audio guy. I said, hey, I'm the new youth sound guy. I'm ready to go. You gotta teach me. What's your experience for doing sound? You know what my answer was? I know how to work a Walkman. <laughs> now, if you're over 40, you know what I'm talking about. If you're under 40, Google it, a Walkman. You put a cassette in it, Google it. Runs on batteries, it's amazing. That's all I knew, but he taught me. But you know what? I didn't wait. Well, I knew because I knew when I gave my life to Jesus at 13, I knew God had called me into full-time ministry. I just knew God at 13, I want to preach your gospel all over the world. I want to be a pastor. I didn't even know what it meant, but I knew in my heart. I said, well, I'm just going to fold my hands until one day Mountain Park will call me all the way in South Africa. Don't even know me. No experience being a pastor. And there you go. I'm just going to wait until, no, serve where you're at, just jump in because there's a lesson to learn, a nugget. And then you serve somewhere else. There's a nugget, there's growth, there's growth, there's growth. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't start at 15 as a sound guy. Quit waiting for this big thing, just serve. We're worshipers, we're gracious, we're purposeful. Number four, we're generous, we're generous. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, a generous person will, person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Generosity. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your time. Are you generous with your time? Do you give others some of your time? Your talent? Are you giving your talent? I love to throw parties. Run a small group. I love, I'm compassionate. Go on a missions trip. I love kids. Get involved in kids' ministry. Just take your talent, your passion. And then your treasure, number three, your time, your talent, your treasure. Let me tell you how big generosity is. Jesus was approached by an expert in the law. And the guy had a really good question. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. You know what Jesus' answer was? He says, let me tell you the story of a man that was beaten up and robbed and left to die in the street. See, a priest walked by, saw him as, whoa. And Levi, the worship of, the tribe of the worshipers walked by and said, no, 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 whoa. A, good, a Samaritan who was in those days from the hood 
came cruising by. He saw the man, and if anybody had a right to say, I ain't getting involved in this because it's gonna bounce back on me. What does he do? He goes over, he gets cloth, he gets oil, he begins to wash the blood on this guy, and then he says, he picks him up, puts him on his donkey, he takes him over to the Hilton, talks to the manager and says, listen, it's on me. Take my Bon Voyage points, get him the penthouse, and if I don't have enough points, I'm gonna come back, I will pay the bill. The expert says, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? You know what Jesus said to him? Be generous. Be generous. Don't be an owner, be a steward. The guy literally went and used his own bandages and oil. He put him in, on his donkey, put him in his Tesla, bleeding, and said, yo, let's go over. Put him in the best. It cost him. He was generous. But you know what? In the kingdom of, in the kingdom of heaven, it's gonna cost you something. It cost him his life. We're worshipers, we're gracious, we're purposeful, we're generous. And the last one is we're family. We're family. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love that. Every pastor loves that verse. Don't give up meeting together. Some of you are in the habit of doing. <laughs> I ain't guilty and yell of you all. But this verse is saying, get to church. Why? Because you're part of a bigger family. There's something beautiful when you come here on Sunday. The family comes with all its diversity. I look across and see so much diversity here. You know what? This is a picture of heaven right here. It's a picture of heaven. And when we all sing, and, and Cornerstone, and CCV, and Rock, I'm learning, and Mission, and, and Grove, all these churches come together on a Sunday here in Phoenix where the devil thinks he's got the territory. We begin to worship God. We're going to worship him. That's why getting to church is so important. But I love this verse. It says, encourage. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 10 and 13. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be lacking, uh, be, uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Can I just say something really quick? There is no perfect church on earth. You know where the perfect church is gonna be one day? In heaven. You know why? Because in heaven there's no sin. While you and I are here on earth, we have flesh. The church is gonna be messy, why? Because we're messy. You're messy. And so let's choose to say, you know what? We're family. And we ain't the perfect family. We ain't the Brady Bunch, we ain't the Waltons. We're the body of Christ. He's brought us together. Some of us have different experiences in life. Some of us have more train wreck stories in God's grace. But guess what? In God's eyes, we're all His children and He loves us. So let's be His family. These five values are so important. 
I want to encourage you. I believe as we live these out, believe we're going to make a difference. Jesus in John uh, chapter 17. I'm not going to read the passage, but before he dies, he says this. Lord, I pray that they may be one as we are one. All these culture values, our vision, our mission means nothing if we don't all buy in, if we're not in unity. Unity doesn't mean we agree on everything. I love my wife. We're in unity. I don't agree with a lot, she says. (laughs) But you know what? We're in this together. You know, what, what puzzles me about marriage is so beautiful. And the two shall become one. Without God, that's impossible. Unity in the church is impossible without God. And laying down our lives, it's impossible. We need him. Amen. Is every eyes closed and head is bowed? Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord or Savior, or maybe you're not walking with God today, I want to give you a really quick opportunity today. Because you're part of his family. And he loves you. He's paid the price for your sins. There's no sin too big. You might feel you in the darkest place of your life now. I'm yet to tell you, God knows, God cares, and God loves you. You might have made the greatest mistakes and the worst decisions ever. Today, my friend, I want to tell you, there's hope, there's a peace for you, and he makes all things new. But the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. There's a part of you just acknowledging, God, I need you, and I need you right now. Maybe today you've never asked him into your life. Maybe you prayed a prayer years ago, but I'm talking about right now. Where are you with God today? If there's a tugging on your heart right now, that is God saying, hey, come on, let me into your life. Receive my grace today. So eyes are closed and heads about. I want to pray for you. If that's you, I want to ask you to slip your hand up. I'm not going to bring you up front. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Just if you're, right now, if that's you, Pastor, I just want you to pray for me. Slip your hand up really quick. Pastor, that's me. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Got three hands going up already. Why are you counting? Because heaven counts. The Bible says in heaven there's a celebration of a one. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. I've got five hands right now. Anybody else today? Six. Beautiful. In the back, seven. Beautiful. See, heaven's counting right now. There's a celebration in heaven. Anybody upstairs today? Looking. Thank you, sir. I see you. That's eight right now. Nine, 10, 11. Thank you. 12. Thank you. 13, 14. Beautiful. God's just touching hearts right now. 15. Beautiful. Anybody else today in the middle section? Come on. Today's your day. We're not playing church. 17 in the back. Beautiful. Anybody else? 18. I see 19. Beautiful. Beautiful. 19 people. Anybody else? Don't want to rush this moment. This is the most important part of this whole service. It's people saying yes to Jesus. Yeah. I'm not asking you to follow a church. I'm not asking you to follow. I'm asking you to follow Jesus. He loves you so much. Loves you so much. Thank you. 19. Beautiful. 19. One more time. 20. Beautiful. Anybody else? Don't want to miss you. Tugging on your heart. Come on. Don't run from him. Run to him today. He loves you so much. Just run to him today. Anybody else? 
beautiful. 21. Beautiful. I see you. Thank you. Let's do this. We've got 21 people that raised their hand. Isn't that amazing? So beautiful. Look at my hand. Let's pray together. I want the 21 of you to raise your hand. And I want every, uh, there's a 21 of you to raise your hand. And everybody in this room, I want you to pray with me. Let's encourage them as we pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you today that you know me, that you love me. You died on the cross for my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. Would you forgive me of my sins? Wash me clean today. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you today that I am a child of God. Not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done for me. I receive it now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give my hand one more time.